0: Second Chronicles thirty four fourteen, and when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord, given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan, and Shaphan carried the book to the king. And brought the king word back again saying, all that was committed to thy servants, they do it. They found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And from this text, I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, an old revelation for a new generation. God bless you. Please be seated. Our heritage group in our church consists of people who are 65 years of age and older and yesterday there was a wonderful get together. My wife and I had the privilege of eating with our heritage group and thanks to Ann and Richard Evans for a tremendous job caring for our heritage group. We're so appreciative of everyone that serves in ministry but especially those who take care of our elders. And today our Heritage Group will be receiving wonderful fruit baskets facilitated by the Pemberton family, and we appreciate that. And I want to acknowledge the elders of our church. I've become an elder that takes time to become an elder. You have to work really hard at it. But especially today, I wanted to acknowledge people who are not able to attend church because of physical constraints or mobility issues. We have people that have borne the burden in the heat of the day, but are no longer able to come to church. And I just wanted to acknowledge them, to thank them for watching online. Would you take a moment right now to just say thank you to the elders who cannot be in church, but would be if they could be. Amen. Our church was built both spiritually and materially by people who willingly sacrificed their time and money to make Atlanta West Pentecostal Church, this local church, what it is today that has a reach around the world and contributes to missions causes around the world. For younger people who are part of our church family, I just want to help you relax today that our elders don't feel that you owe them one thing. You don't owe them anything, although the Bible does teach that we should give honor where honor is due for the sacrifice of previous generations. But what we do have is a sacred responsibility to preserve what they paid for and make sure that we deliver an apostolic, biblically-based church to the next generation that is coming along behind us. We must pass on what we received and preserve the message in its biblical integrity. Like Abraham, we have been blessed to be a blessing to other people. That's why today I'm talking to you about an old revelation for a new generation. You see, everyone has a heritage, but not everyone has a heritage that they can be proud of. A heritage is something that is transmitted or acquired From a predecessor. A heritage can refer to your racial, ethnic, religious, or cultural background. We are blessed to have a Pentecostal heritage. Our heritage is traced most of all to the book of Acts, chapter 2, when the Spirit of God was first poured out on the birthday of the church. We maintain the experience and relationship that was received on that day. We can also trace our lineage historically to the beginning of the modern day Pentecostal movement that began on January 1st, 1901, in Topeka, Kansas. As a local church, we can also tie our heritage to the formation of the United Pentecostal Church in 1945. Our local church heritage dates back to a basement of Merle and Louise Harper in the fall of 1961. We thank God that a handful of people had a vision for a multicultural church in 1961. Think about that. And they made sure that something was started that would be preserved. I thank God for my personal heritage of my father and mother, my grandparents on my mother's side that handed down a wonderful heritage. But I want to say something that I believe very strongly, that a heritage in itself, as important as it is, and as much as it should be valued, it is not the best reason to continue in our faith. Our foundation is not rooted in church history or some religious denomination. Our faith does have to go back to the Bible alone. While I appreciate my heritage, I would not continue to live the way I do and believe what I believe if it was just the religion of my mother and father. But I thank God that I've discovered an old revelation that was relevant in my life and it is relevant to a new generation. It is truth that gives us our right to life to exist as a church we anchor our faith in the scriptures alone and we find our direction for the future by reviving the truth of the past. We search the old reliable paths that guide us into the future as the prophet Jeremiah wrote under the inspiration of the spirit, stand in the way and see and ask for the old paths where is the good way, the tried and true way and walk therein and you shall find rest for your souls. As a proverb says, we do not remove the ancient landmarks, the boundaries of truth that that were set by our fathers. But here's what I know about truth as an old retired youth pastor, that truth must be rediscovered in every generation. God has no grandchildren. You may be second, third, fourth, fifth generation Pentecostal, but God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters that have been born again of water and spirit and brought into the kingdom of God. That's why old revelations must be discovered by new generations if faith is to be alive forevermore. Psalm 105 for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations, but it must be excavated at times, dug up from the past. We've got to go back and come face to face with the word of God and let the Lord reveal himself to us afresh. If the old revelation is viable to the new generation today I want to encourage you to embrace the truth of the Bible and not just to embrace it, but to make it the final authority in your life. For we believe that the Bible alone is the final authority, is the word of God to give us direction in an uncertain future that our culture is trying to navigate right now. Amen. We cannot try to deconstruct truth in an effort to justify aberrant behavior in our lives, to try to find a way to condone what the Bible condemns. We do have to excavate lost truth and recover what might have been buried in the rubble of religious tradition and go back to the Bible to make sure our faith aligns to the faith that was once delivered to the saints. You shall know the truth, Jesus said, and the truth shall make you free. That's why we hold truth has the highest value in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, as a local church, we have a value that we embrace and we practice. And if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard me talk about this or that versus this and that. Someone called it the tyranny of or versus the genius of and. We don't believe that just because we embrace the spiritual move of God, that we should be light on Scripture. We believe in word and worship. We believe in spirit and truth, amen. It is both and, not this or that. So I want to review this idea with you because it is tied to our commitment to the word of God to being a church of truth. The church must passionately preserve core doctrines, while simultaneously stimulating progress to reach our changing culture and advance the mission of the church. You preserve the core and you stimulate progress. You have to have continuity of truth and be willing to change methodology or the way you approach a new generation. We have to have a commitment to truth and a willingness to adapt to a world that is constantly changing. So we have stability and spontaneity to be able to accomplish our mission. We believe in heritage and renewal. And we have observed that many churches have lost their way because they have caved into the pressure of the culture But our commitment to the Bible gives us a strong sense of identity. It gives us a thread of continuity. It holds us together through generational changes and with our very cultures and past and who we are. But it is truth that anchors us and keeps us true to God's word. Amen. Our doctrine contains sacred tenets, and we believe in preserving them zealously, and we know that they will guide us into the future generations. And knowing what must not change, what cannot change, gives us the freedom to change what should be changed. For example, several years ago, this doesn't sound novel now, but we decided that we wanted an online presence. And with the approval of our board, we made a significant investment in cameras and the ability to stream. And as weird as technology can be, We worked really hard and continue to do that to be able to stream the message of the gospel all over the world wherever anyone would log on or sign in. So I thank God that when COVID hit, that we didn't have to do any fancy footwork, that we were ready to produce a service here for you while you were stuck at home. And we were ready for that in advance because we're willing to embrace technology, technology and change. I listened to brother Stewart's message last week when he spoke about God's provision that God has the ability to provide in advance what he knows you will need. He provided a ram caught in a thicket before Abraham and Isaac ever got to Mount Moriah. God knows the future, and he declares the end from the beginning. He has never been caught off guard, and our God will guide us. If we maintain truth, he will guide us to be a viable, effective, apostolic church, no matter what changes come in the culture, amen. You've got to know what must not change so you can know what can change to be relevant while not compromising truth. You can paint a wall black or put up an LED screen. As long as you preach the truth, you can have two services or five services. You can meet whenever you want, but as long as you preach the word of God that changes people's lives without compromise, God will honor that, amen. We believe in this and that, not this or that. And I think you've got it. But I've seen churches Mistake methods for values. They think their church is not growing because they're conservative in their beliefs. So they compromise truth to be relevant, and they lose everything because they do not have a commitment to what must never change. And then there are churches out of fear of compromise, out of people that fear compromise. They won't do anything to change the church to make it more viable or relevant because they're afraid that they're giving up everything, that they're selling the spiritual farm. I'm glad to know what cannot change, must not change, will never change, the truth of the word of God that we've anchored our soul to. Amen. So we're free to pivot around truth. I read something that was an awakening moment to me. There are about 350,000 religious congregations in North America, Christian churches. And many of those churches are very light on doctrine. They're very generic in what they teach. They basically teach the same thing. But at least 80% of those churches statistically are either plateaued or not growing at all. So compromise doesn't automatically lead to growth and neither does embracing truth stop you from growing. In fact, it is my observation that the early church was strong in doctrine, but growth was never a problem with them. 3,000, 5,000, multitudes of men and women, the gospel went to the then known world. If we will continue to embrace truth, if we will be apostolic in our practice, amen, God will honor this church, and we will reach people that are hungry, for God they're looking for truth they're trying to find a relationship that will keep them in this troubled crazy convulsing world amen but here's what the Bible teaches if you do not love the truth you will love a lie Satan sends deception but God sends delusion to people who do not have a love for the truth. So it's important that we maintain our commitment to core convictions that never change and then have a relentless drive to make sure we reach everybody everywhere with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the important balance of this and that. But this idea leads me to our story in 2 Chronicles 34, that centers around King Josiah. King Josiah was the son of King Ammon of Judah. This is in the period of time of the divided kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel, headquartered in Samaria. The southern kingdom of Judah also joined often with Benjamin, headquartered in the city of Jerusalem. Josiah became king at the age of eight, after his father was assassinated he reigned in judah for 31 years the bible said that in his lifetime that he did that was right in the sight of the lord he walked in the ways of david his father and he declined neither to the right hand or to the left eight years old he becomes king the bible says that in the 8th year of his reign when he was 16 years old And the Bible makes this note, while he was yet young, Josiah began to seek the God of David, his father. He was a teenager, but he was seeking God with all of his heart. Amen. In the 12th year of his reign, at the age of 20, Josiah began to purge Judah and Jerusalem by destroying the high places, the groves, the carved images, the molten images, and all the idols that were in Judah. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 34.3, he did this throughout all the land. He broke down the altars to Balaam, that false god. He eradicated the false priests from the nation of Judah. And during his reign, he expanded it to Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, and even Naphtali, those surrounding areas, bringing a revival of righteousness by destroying idolatry. The Bible said that Josiah did not return to Jerusalem from his campaign until he had fully completed his mission. In the 18th year of his reign, at the age of 26, Josiah began to repair the temple of the Lord. 18th year, 26 years of age. He's a young adult. Today, a lot of young adults are still living at their parents' house, trying to find their purpose in life. But Josiah is repairing the house of God. He collected money. He employed and paid workmen to repair and renovate the temple. He restored what the former kings of Judah had allowed to fall into ruin. There must have been heaps of rubble and piles of debris inside of the temple because in this process of the removal of debris and rubble and in the renovations of the temple, the Bible said in 2 Chronicles 34:14 our text, and when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. He found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. How do you you lose the Bible in the church? But somewhere there, under a rock, furniture, furniture, Somewhere lying there, underneath all the junk that was there, was the hidden word of God. Hilkiah, theologians say, may have found it the book of Deuteronomy. It may have been part or all of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. But there is a tremendous amount of excitement. Verse 15, Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. Verse 16, Shaphan gets this scroll, this book of the law that is found buried in the house of the Lord. And he carried the book to the king. He brought the word back again to King Josiah that everything you've commanded we have done. Verse 18, the Bible said that Shaphan began to read the Bible to King Josiah. And in this reading, Hezekiah is smitten with conviction. Now you have to remember that Josiah has already been a reformer. He is already eradicating false priests. He is already destroying pagan idols. Before he ever had a physical copy of the Bible, his heritage, the word that had been passed down, he knew that idolatry did not belong in Israel. But now, He is seeing written the word of God, That's long-lost word of God, the revelation of the heart of God. I've, I've observed in my life that when people are not sure what to do, if they will do what they know to do, that God will lead them to more truth as you seek truth and do what you know to do if you're shrouded by a cloud of confusion, if you'll just do what you know to do, you will watch God let that cloud evaporate and truth will replace confusion. So here is Josiah cleansing the temple, finding the word of God. Now he has direction. Now he has Old Testament prophecy telling what is hanging over their country. Josiah is broken By what he heard, to the point that he tore his clothes, that ancient sign of remorse. He is repenting, he is praying, he realizes that there is more work to be done. They consult with a prophetess named Huldah, and she tells them for sure that these prophecies will come true, that Judah will be carried away into Babylonian captivity, that sin has separated them from God. She tells Josiah that because he has humbled himself and repented and walked with God, that this tragedy will not come in his day, that he will die in peace. Josiah calls all the elders of Israel together. He causes them to hear the word of the law, of the word of the law of God. And the Bible said that they made a covenant with God to walk in all the ways of the Lord. Verse 33 says in Josiah, took away all the abominations out of the countries that pertained to the children of Israel and made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. And all his days, they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. Your influence is greater than you've ever imagined. If you will do what you know to do, God will reveal himself to you and give you direction, Amen. You see, Josiah found an old revelation for a new generation. They found the truth of the word of God that had been hidden in the house of the Lord. Here's something I want you to understand today about this old revelation. is that truth is timeless. It does not have an expiration date. It doesn't grow stale or moldy or old. Amen. The Bible is not like some archaic relic that is relegated to the past. There are times in human history that there are significant historical discoveries that are made. I was reading not long ago, November 10, 2022, was an excerpt from the Smithsonian Magazine that archaeologists have been excavating ancient thermal baths outside Siena, Italy since 2019. But just a month or two ago, through the mud and the water they started to identify fragments and slowly they began to see the hand and elbow a glimmering coin and and they've excavated these researchers have 24 perfectly preserved bronze statues that date back 2300 years they found a cache of coins and other significant artifacts this discovery in the town of San Cassiano del Pagano, in a small hilltop town, they say, is rewritten history because they discovered all of these statues. Many of them are false gods. But here's what I know. That ancient art is interesting and fascinating. It is a window into the past, but it does not have power for the present. But when you find the book of the law in the house of the Lord, it has a power of that old revelation that affects a new generation. It is just as powerful and relevant today as the day it was written in the word of God. It is an old revelation for a new generation. One historian said, if we forget the failures of the past, we're likely to repeat them. Thank God for good history that keeps us from making the same mistakes over and over. The Bible tells us that was the purpose of the Old Testament. It was a teacher, a schoolmaster, is to help us not make their same mistakes. The truth is timeless. This book of the law that is found in the house of the Lord is eternally relevant. And in fact, even though the book was lost, Its power was not lost. The prophecies of that ancient book of the law that was discovered in the house of the Lord were still going to come to pass if they would have never renovated the temple, if they would have never discovered those ancient scrolls lying there. The truth of those scrolls inspired by God were still going to come to pass. What hold the prophetess assured Josiah of was true—that Judah would go into captivity—and there was nothing that could stop it from happening. Amen. I want you today to understand that even though this book, whether you have a King James Version or a New King James Version, or you like to read the New Living Translation, some reliable translation, that this book will never pass away. That whatever is written in the canon of the Bible is inspired by God. Every word God breathed, It is. It is withstood the test of time. It is eternally true. Isaiah 48, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Psalm 119, 89, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Heaven and earth may pass away, but God's word will never pass away. Some people may believe that the Bible is an archaic relic from the past. But that old revelation is still relevant to every new generation. The Apostle Peter wrote about this in 1 Peter 1.23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. He now quotes Isaiah, because all flesh is grass. As the glory of man, as a flower of the grass, the grass withers and the flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word, and I preached on or taught on this last phrase a few Wednesdays ago. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you, amen. The word of God is alive forevermore. And Josiah knew that what God said would come to pass, and nothing could stop it. The prophecies of judgment were buried in the rubble of the temple, but they were still in full effect. Now, I know that's an old story. It's an old revelation. But I want you to understand today that our modern world is also facing end-time prophecies And we are headed to judgment as a world just as sure as Judah was headed for captivity in Josiah's day. In the New Living Translation, I want to relate 2 Peter 3, 3, several verses more than I would normally read in a message. The Apostle Peter wrote, more importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come. Mocking the truth, following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? For before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. But then the apostle Peter said, they deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command." and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. The apostle Peter says they have forgotten what is a historical fact that there was a worldwide flood that destroyed everyone that was not on Noah's ark. God destroyed a world and saved eight souls who were obedient. The Apostle Peter says in verse 7. And by the same word, the same word that created the world, the same word that created the flood, the same word that was hidden and lost in the temple in Josiah's day, that same word is hovering over this end-time world that is just as true and just as relevant and just as ominous as it has ever been. Verse 7, the apostle Peter, 2 Peter 3, if you're making notes. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some some people think. I like the King James says, some people count slackness. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or to perish, but he wants everyone to repent. That's why God has allowed this world, the world, the, the clock of world history, to continue to tick The Bible says under the fullness of the Gentiles come in. God has allowed in his patience someone else to be saved today somewhere around the world. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. And then the apostle Peter says, but the day of the Lord. In the Bible, the word, the phrase the day of the Lord is a day of judgment. It's doom and gloom. It is not the catching away of the church It is God's judgment on the earth. And Peter said the day of the Lord will come. It will come as unexpectedly as a thief. And when it does, he said, then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. And then he begins to apply this. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along on that day. He will set the heavens on fire, and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we're not headed to judgment, he said, but we are looking forward to the new heavens, and the new earth that he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, he writes, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in our sight, in God's sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. I wanted you to see this entire passage because just as surely as Josiah heard those words that were penned in Deuteronomy or one of the books of the Pentateuch, Those same words are relevant today. Though they were penned by the Apostle Peter 2,000 years ago, our world is facing the judgment of God again. That's why this church exists, to have somebody come out of the world and come into a relationship with God. We exist to lead people in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ so that they can be saved from wrath to come that's why we exist that's why every new generation must go back and rediscover this old revelation because the old revelation is is relevant today so let me ask you have you lost the Bible Is it that book that collects dust on your shelf? I know many of you, like me, do a lot of your Bible reading on a device. That's great. Just read your Bible. Amen. But I've wondered, how can a book so valuable and so revered literally be lost in the church, the temple, that central place of worship, For Jews everywhere. How do you lose the Bible? It's just laying there, not being read, not being obeyed. Time goes by, pagan worship comes in, backsliding, sliding sliding away. Then all of a sudden, something just falls over the Bible, and it's out of sight soon it's out of mind. And over decades of time, the book of the law is buried in the house of the Lord. I wonder how many people who call themselves Christians, maybe they have a physical copy of the Bible, maybe they have it on an app, but as far as embracing and obeying that word, it might as well be buried and out of sight because they have lost that old revelation that will save their generation. Maybe in Josiah's day, like our day, people think out of sight, out of mind. If you can't see it, if you don't know it, what harm can it do? But as I've already told you, not having that book, did not change the prophecies of that book. And living in denial, whistling in the spiritual dark of our modern day, will not keep you saved, will not exempt you from judgment. Ignorance is not bliss. You can say, I don't know, but that is not an excuse. God has revealed himself in creation and in our conscience He's let us know enough to know that we must feel after him and find him. You cannot be willingly ignorant. God doesn't get a pass. He commands all men everywhere to repent. That's what Paul told the pagan Athenians in Acts chapter 17. Some people have selective memory. They remember what they want to remember from the Bible they ignore the rest, willingly ignorant, the Bible says, choosing to not know, hoping that they will not be held accountable for what they pretend that they do not full well know, but you're only fooling yourself, or God has revealed himself to us so that we can have an old revelation for a new generation. God help me, God help us. But a lot of churches in our day have become light on scripture. A lot of the Bible has been lost. A lot of preaching of tradition and not truth. A lot of philosophy. A lot of feel good stuff. So that people will not be confronted by their sins that will take them into judgment and a literal burning lake of fire. But the Bible is a timeless old revelation that is relevant for every new generation. But I learned as a boy that you've got to discover it for yourself. Amen. You've got to be born again of water and spirit. You cannot go to heaven on your family relationship with God. You cannot go to heaven on your parents' walk with God. Every person must have a personal encounter with God. You've got to confront truth, face truth, embrace truth, receive salvation in your own life. That's what Josiah learned. And that's what we must know. That we need a personal revival. We need a family revival. We need a church revival. And we need a revival in our land, in our culture. We need to make sure that our faith is preserved to the next generation. The truth that there is one God and the Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord and that all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily, that there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. We need to always preach and embrace that there is a new birth experience of water in spirit that can be obeyed when you turn from your sins in repentance, when you're baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, That is that old revelation. That old revelation that we were saved to be separated from the sins of this world to lead a holy life unto the Lord, to be the bride of Christ that is pure and clean and lives a distinct lifestyle. So today. If you're a cultural Pentecostal, like i grew up sleeping under the seat crawling up in church you've got to know him for yourself tradition will not keep you in temptation and trial but truth will keep you no matter what comes against you and no matter what happens in the next generation so let's dig past our preconceived ideas, our religious traditions, our predisposition to do whatever we want to do. And let's, let's unearth, let's excavate the law of the Lord, the word of God. And let's read it. Let's embrace it. And let's obey it. Would you bow your heads and let's pray right now. Dear Lord God, I pray that you would help our attitude be, as the writer Jude said, that we would earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. I pray, O Lord God, that we would love all people, but we would most of all, Lord, love truth. I pray, Lord, today for children, young people, and young adults who were raised in an apostolic Pentecostal church, Lord, but only have a superficial relationship with you. And I pray, Lord, that you would let then move from experience to relationship, from convenience to conviction. I pray, oh God. That you would help us, Lord, not be willingly ignorant, to just shove from consciousness, Lord, the truth that's confronting us. I pray, Lord, as your word always does, let it be a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I pray that you would draw us into a viable, and vibrant relationship with you. Help us, Lord, discover this old revelation in this new generation. And I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, would you please stand now? I'm going to invite all of our church to come Our guests, you're welcome to come with us. We always respect you and your prayer, but it's our custom to come to the altar to pray. And today we're making a commitment to that old revelation in our generation. I commit to preach and teach it in its purity and power, to live it with integrity, and to transfer it to the next generation Or just what it is. Nothing less. Nothing more. Would you leave room in the aisles. Come as close as you're able. I appreciate you coming. If you're able, come with your family. If you're not physically able to come, then we're going to turn every aisle into a prayer room right now. Wherever you're standing or seated, Let's lift our voices to the Lord and pray right now.